Welcome back to another episode of Andrew Barnett's Crowd Workcast. My name is Andrew Barnett. Now, before I uh, get into telling you about this week's episode, I need to do some self-promotion once again. Uh, it is Sydney Fringe Festival time, uh, starting very, very soon. And so uh, I do have a show in this year's Sydney Fringe Festival. Uh, this year I'm doing a show with uh, the wonderful Julia Wilson, who you guys will remember as uh, our guest on episode three of the podcast. And uh, Julia and I are doing a show called Role Reversal, which basically plays on the fact that she's uh, she's the toughest woman in comedy and I'm a comedic stay-at-home dad. Um, it's basically each of us doing about 30 minutes of our latest sort of material, jokes and uh, stories and stuff. So it should be a good time. So uh, if you want to come along, we'll be at the Factory Theatre, 8.15pm on the 7th, 9th and 11th of September. Uh, those, uh, that is a Wednesday, a Friday and a Sunday night. Now tickets for the Wednesday and the Sunday show are only $10 and, uh, you pay a little more of a premium on the Friday night cause it's a bit more of a popular night, but that's only $15. So very reasonably priced and, uh, we'd love to have you along, especially if you enjoyed that, that podcast episode three. Um, Julie is fantastic. So, uh, make sure you do come along to that. You can get tickets at, uh, Fringe Comedy. Uh, website just if you google fringe comedy andrew barnett and julia wilson you'll find it i believe uh, if you go to the fringe comedy website fringecomedy.com.au uh, we're on the first page of shows there you'll see it um or you can uh, look for the link on my website or my facebook page which is andrew barnett comedian um okay that's probably enough of that uh this week's episode simon kennedy is my guest. Uh, Simon is a great guy, a very, very interesting guy. He is, uh, he's a comedian. He's been in the comedy game for, uh, I believe, around 16 years now. Uh, but outside of that, he has also uh, done a heap of interesting stuff. He worked in radio for a long time. Uh, he's, uh, he was a regular on Channel 7's morning show as, as one of their guests and panellists. Uh, and uh, he's also written a book. Uh, he wrote a book uh, called 9-11 and the Art of Happiness. Uh, Simon's mother was one of the one of unfortunate victims of the uh, the terror attacks on 9-11 in New York City. Um, and so he wrote a, an amazing book about that, um, which we don't really talk about at all in this interview, but uh, I should give it a plug because it is an amazing book. So uh, if you're out there, look for it, get it. Um, also, uh, as well as doing all that, Simon now is, uh, is a voiceover artist. So you'll, uh, you may recognize his voice from various things. And we talk a little bit about that. This episode was recorded uh, when Simon and I were uh, actually away on a little... Uh, week-long run of gigs down in the uh, the New South Wales snowfields uh, up in the mountains down uh, down there and uh, it was it was a great run actually we had a lot of time when you go on these uh, go on these little tours away um, you, there's a lot of downtime we uh, you do your gig at night and then you go to bed and then the next day you just got to kill time and so uh, I couldn't have asked for a better guy to kill time with Simon's uh, Simon's a very very easy guy to hang out with very good chat so uh hopefully you'll hear a bit of that in this uh this conversation today and uh, now i will apologize uh we didn't have uh the usual microphones i used when we were down there um we were going handheld with some uh, some microphones i have that are aren't quite as uh good quality but uh i think the sound holds up and uh, i will apologize if you do he hear any handling noise any bumping on the microphone or anything like that that is 100% me, Simon, uh, to my amazement. Consummate professional did not once make a, uh, make a move with his microphone. He managed to hold it perfectly still and speak perfectly into it, uh, which I probably is uh, reflective of the fact that he's a, he's a professional and he's worked in radio and voiceover for so many years. Anyway, that's probably enough chatting from me at this point. Let's get on with the episode. This is episode six with Simon Kennedy. New episode. Uh, g'day, buddy. What's your name? Uh, Simon. Simon. <laughs> Simon. You got a last name, Simon? Yes, it's Kennedy. Simon Kennedy. Like the dead president. The, oh, John F. That, well, I don't know if there's another dead one. Is there well, a dead... Oh, there's another dead presidents. Yeah, <laughs> there are actually. Lots yeah. of dead presidents. Don't know, any, Not like Reagan. Any no. uh, presidents named Simon? I don't believe so. There have been a lot of presidents. It's funny, as Aussies, we know more about American presidents than we do about... Prime Ministers. Yeah. Um, but I've never heard of a Simon. I don't think there I'm is. I'm just trying to think of if I even know a politician. 
that was ever named Simon. Simon Crean. Simon Crean. Hey, good point. Yeah. Labor, what former Labor leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was too. Yeah, he's not. It's. A, I don't know if it's a prime ministerial name though. No, I was. Never the Australian people never thought so. Anyway. No, I was never on the, never on the list to be a to prime minister. I don't think I will be. No, never know. So what? You're not a prime. Okay, we've established straight off. You're not a politician. What? What do you do? I am a stand-up comedian, Barney. You are. You are. It's a, it's a funny, um, funny premise, especially since uh, the where we're recording this episode, uh, you and I are uh, in the middle of a little uh, run of gigs. Yeah, yeah and, and we're in the venue right now that we'll be performing in tonight, aren't we? We are. It's, uh, we're uh, at elevation, what did I say, 1,470 metres, I think yeah. we said before. We're up, uh, up in the, uh, the New South Wales ski fields. Kosciuszko National Park, which we established on the drive here, probably would best be pronounced as Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko. Um, as a Polish thing, but uh, as Australians, uh, we don't care for the traditional pronunciations. No, we'll mate, Kosciuszko. It's, said. Yeah. it's like, you know, we'll tell you how you say the name. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, and it's been fun, hasn't it, up here? It's cold as all hell, though. Yeah, it is. It's freezing. It's weird because it's cold, but uh, where we are at the, um, I think you could say the name of the ski venue. Ski Rider, it's a lovely venue. Uh, the Ski Rider. You would, you would picture when you read Ski Rider on the, the internet that there'd be snow all around us. Mm. And uh, at the moment, um, there's a bit of snow in the, the valley over there, but that's about, that's about it. Not much. We managed to, um, obviously, uh, you know this, but I'm going to tell it for the, the folks in podcast land, that we managed to, to dig up some pieces of snow from around the car to put into the garbage bin to keep the beers cold. Yeah, it's yeah. a little homemade esky or, or chilli bin for our New Zealand listeners. Yeah, so that's not bad. And, uh, and here we are, we're ready to perform tonight for some people who will be tired from skiing. You know, a very gusty day. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's, it's a, we were hoping, hoping to get some snow last night, but um, from, uh, like I don't, I'm not familiar with the, what snow sounds like falling on a tin roof. Um, but what happened last night sounded a lot like heavy rain. Yeah, I think it was. It was um, large melted bits of snow that yeah. fell from the sky, yeah. pre-melted. Um, that was what we were dealing with. But, but uh, it's been a fun run of gigs. So you're a stand-up comedian. How long have you been doing stand-up? Um, th- now, at the end of uh, 2016, it's, um, I think it's uh, 17 years 17 years. 17 years. Yeah, is that right? My calculation's right. I, I started at the end of uh, 99. So that'd oh, be about that, that works. About right, isn't it? Yeah. 17 years? Yeah, so 17 years. And, uh, and it's sort of like, where did, where, how did that happen? Yeah, well, yeah. How, did, how did you get started? Like anyone, open mic, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, five minutes here, five minutes there. Um, but, but because I, I'd actually been in radio, like Bush Radio, Bush Radio. Yeah. Okay, let's go right back to there. Like, growing up, Simon, young Simon Kennedy. Mm. Uh, what year did you finish school? Ninety two. Ninety two. What was the What was the plan? Ninety two. What was the dream and what was the plan and oh, how did you go about it? I was I was not the best student. Um, was the class clown as people? You know that question. People. Go, so you must have been. Were you the class clown at school? Is that how you got yeah. it? And, and the answer is actually yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it was. And um, when did you know you were funny, Simon? Yeah, when people laughed. Yeah, that's yeah. that was it. I said some shit, and some people laughed, and yeah. I went, "Oh yeah, this is sweet." I didn't think there was a career in it, but I, I actually, because um, I listened to a lot of radio as a young guy, I went, "I can, I can do that. I could do some silly voices, make me do some impersonations. So I might do that radio stuff because." Comedy on the radio was everywhere in the sort of 90s, 80s and 90s. It was like sketch comedy here, sketch comedy there. And I went, that's for me. And yeah. I got into radio. I went, I'm going to do that. And by the time I got into radio, that was out of fashion. And, <sighs> uh, and comedians were only allowed on if they were stand-up comedians. And then they had to just talk to callers about questions that they would throw <laughs> out there. Like, hey, do you like breathing? Give us a call. Tell us about you when you go- breathed. Um, so that sort of thing. Oh, oh, yeah, g'day, it's, uh, it's Brad. I'm so calling from Toongabby. And, that's uh, right. Did you breathe, Brad? Have you breathed? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been breathing, breathing in quite a long time, actually. Oh, it's a funny story about the day I tried not to breathe and uh, <laughs> passed out. Yeah. It's like, oh, Brad. Okay, let's go to another call. Yeah, that's, and that's what radio became. And I went, oh, that's a shame. So I spent two years as a radio announcer 
in uh, country town, uh, northwest slopes and plains, New South Wales, Moree. Moree. <coughs> Moree. What, what was your time slot out there? Um, I started at 6 p.m. Uh, till midnight. It was a like the night That's countdown sort of show. It was six, quite the radio shift. Six hours on air, yeah. Taking taking requests a lot of the time and playing a countdown which was just made up. Like it was not, <laughs> it was it was just made up. Like we just went, we'll just put this one at number one tonight to change it up a little bit. No one was really voting on anything. It was just pretend. Uh, that, and that is that's that's radio for you. Yeah, wow. Like we just make it up. It's like, but everyone's been requesting this song. They haven't. We just want to play it. Um, and so I did that. And the most requested song uh, up in Moree was, and probably still is, I reckon, um, Steve Earle, uh, Copperhead Road. Oh, I haven't heard that in years. That's a great tune, though. Yeah, not, not after you've heard it as many times as me. No, it's... Um there was a time when it was quite, yeah, it was it was almost the soundtrack to turning the car on. Yeah, it was it was a song about distilling um, moonshine, mm. which I don't know why that resonated in Moree, but well, it did. Because yeah, it started off weren't they moonshiners, and then he Steve Earle moved into because um, he actually got he he got arrested for um, for uh, drug supply. That does not I surprise thought. me. He, and he did some. He did a bit of time for, uh, and that's there was there was the urban myth that the because he talked about um, in that song he talks about yeah he did his time in Vietnam. That's right. Learned a thing or two from Charlie, don't you know? The, yeah. The DA's got a chopper in there that he was growing. Um, he was growing cannabis down yeah. uh, down the holler down in Copperhead Road. Right. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, he had the booby trap set up, and and so there was that that urban myth that that was actually just a that was all about actually how he got locked up. Um, I have no idea if any of that was true, yeah, but uh, as a teenager in the nineties, I uh, was ready to believe it. Yeah, well, well, it was a popular song. Yeah, it was apparently, mate. Apparently, apparently, they love it. They 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 love it. Yeah, yeah. So I hated that song after a while. <laughs> like there'd be people who were driving headers, which is for those who don't know, is a machine that takes the top off um, wheat and whatever, mm. and they drive it all night long because it's too hot in the day. Yeah, all night long, and they've got the radio on, and they'd be listening to. Now FM, which was the station up in Moree, there still is good people there. And Now FM, and they'd be ringing up and go, "You know, it's Darren here. What are you doing, Darren? I'm driving a header. All right. Oh, yeah. What do you want to hear? Uh, Copperhead Road. No shit. <laughs> I played it. I just played it five minutes ago. Can you play it again? No, no, I can't. I won't. Yeah, I played it five minutes. ago. Oh, yeah, I know. That was great. Yeah, play it again. Jesus, mate, get it. Get an iPod. Yeah, play it. Play it yourself. <laughs> shit. Yeah, because that's a that's a long shift in those, those headers, those guys. I remember because I grew up in the country too. I remember um, the guys you'd just twelve hours up and back, yeah. and they'd just be on those. And you'd always hear too if you're listening to the um, listen to the cricket in the summer. Mm. They'd always uh, you know get us on the uh, get us on the the message line. And they'd say, oh, there was this uh, big hi to uh, hi to Tim who's uh, driving a header out uh, in Western New South Wales, enjoying the cricket broadcast. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. It's like, uh, There's a lot of Tims. Yeah, all, all Tim wants is just some human interaction because yeah. his day involves... Uh, Keep me awake, yeah. please. Because I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're, if they're doing, you know, doing red arrows on those things or sort of something to keep awake like truck drivers, but, jeez, uh, you'd, you'd be bored. Well, it's, it's essentially m- like riding a, a massive ride on mower mm. for just 12 hours at a time like because yeah. it's not like not like a truck driver it's where noisy. you know the scenery changes you're just driving up one end of a massive paddock and back again. turning around driving back you'd be you'd be more entertained picking up the shopping trolleys yeah like that'd be more interactive well yeah because at least you're gonna bump into someone or yeah, you get to jump out the ones that uh, got me is you know they you ever see the the guys that they'd have the big header and then the truck that would drive along beside it and catch all the Mm. The chaff, the, the real big ones that sort of yes. shoot the, shoot the for the listen, shoot the wheat or the you know whatever yeah. they're harvesting, uh, out a big shoot and it'd fall into a truck that'd drive next to it. Yeah, so that guy's just he's not even running the show. No, he's just he's just a bitch for yeah. for the other guy, yeah. and um, and and they don't even get that talk. They no, don't hear each other. Just, hey, uh, it's loud. It's like it's yeah. a sad existence. Yeah. So that was a uh, yeah. So so anyway that. That was that was this, that was me on the radio, and I went. This isn't this isn't what I want. Did you have a pop radio voice? Like, did you? Yeah. Um, 
I think I did bung on a little bit of a sort of a, all right, here we go. Check it out. It's going to be great, you know. Now <laughs> FM, the hot hits at night. Yeah, well, coming up, uh, here's a request for uh, Tim on the header. It's Steve Hill, Copperhead Road. Uh, so I might have given it a bit of that. Yeah. We've got your traffic report coming. There's none of it because we're in the country. Yeah, there's no traffic. Um, the Newell Highway goes one way and then the other way. Um, <laughs> enjoy it. Watch out for ruse. It's on dusk. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, no, and I, I went, I've had enough. I left, Moree was an interesting town, and I left there, I went, I'm going back to, to Sydney. Yep. And I went back to Sydney, and uh, I went there going, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And I don't know why, but then I thought, maybe stand-up comedy. Maybe I could do that. And I'm not sure what inspired it. Yeah, it's, it always but, fascinates um, me that what inspires people to do, because it's not a, it's not a, um, a thought that everyone, well, it's a, I think it's a thought a lot of people have, going, oh, I, wonder if I, I wonder if I could do that. But it's not a thought that a lot of people follow through on, really. I guess I was a fan. I was. Mm. I did love comedy, and that's that. I think I reckon that's the big common thing is that the guys who go into stand-up comedy, I think, like stand-up comedy, don't they? Yeah. You know, I think I remember before I was a comedian, and it was in 1999. Actually, it was the same year I became a comedian. I'd actually gone to see Seinfeld at the Capitol Theatre. Oh wow! Yeah, and what? what and that was. Um, I was like second row or whatever and I thought here we are but it wasn't funnily enough it wasn't Seinfeld that made me go yeah I could do this it was his support act who I don't remember who it was it was a really really funny um, black guy from the USA I don't know who he was but I thought gee this guy's great as always is the case and as, as we know as comedians the guys you've never heard of who just get these big laughs um, yeah and you go, wow. And then Seinfeld came on and it was kind of almost disappointing. Um, but, well, I think um, too, Seinfeld, 99, that was these, uh, after the, the show had finished tour. Yeah. And it's sort of like the, the expectation when a Seinfeld comes on is, oh, this is going to be amazing. This guy's at the top of his craft. Yeah. When, when the, the opening act walks on, you really have no expectations. Correct. So it's that, it, it's that feeling of like you're discovering someone. Yeah. Yourself. And, like, and oh, I hadn't heard amazing. any of his jokes. Yeah. And Seinfeld, I guess, he was doing stuff that I'd seen numerous times before the show in the bits, you know, those little vignettes of yeah. Seinfeld. And he was doing a lot of that stuff in the show. So, and as you know, as a comedian, um, the joke's not as funny the second time. No. Or the it, fifth time. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not like Copperhead Road, you know what no, I mean? You can't hear it over and over again. Yeah. Can you do that dick joke again, yeah. please? Oh, that, that thing about yeah, Bunnings. Um, no, so so that was interesting, and I and I, I was you know I was a fan of Billy Connolly, you know, yeah, like he was the greatest storyteller ever, um, and uh, you know so I, you know, and that was, it was me for I was always impersonating these guys, you know, and I, I and and then I thought maybe I should just be one of them instead. Yeah, give I'll it a go. It, you know, instead of sitting around the, the pub with my friends just going, you know, fucking, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> That's not a bad Billy Connolly. Yeah, I just don't know any of his jokes anymore. Actually, I do remember, the one of his, the, the jokes that inspired me was, was, was him talk, talking about travelling around Australia. As, as every comic who comes to Australia does and they do their, this is what's different. Yeah. But Billy is, you know, he was great. You know, he was talking about um, you know, stingers, you know, um, uh, box jellyfish. Oh yeah, and he saw he was in Queensland. He saw a sign that said "Beware Stingers." And he goes, "He goes, I saw this sign that said Beware Stingers.'" And I'm like, "What the fuck's a stinger?" <laughs> like, and 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 how do I be aware of it? Where does it come from? Is it fall from the sky, or does it turn up in a taxi or whatever? <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, this is this is good. Okay." That's a phenomenal Billy Connolly too, just quietly. Yeah, I don't I don't have much cause to use it. Yeah, it's um. Because impersonate, because you do a few, you do a few different voices and that sort of stuff. Com yeah, yeah. Impersonations of comedians um, probably don't has, have as much call on stage as impersonations no. of a politician. Because doing a, a voice of a comedian saying something funny will, you know, it's like, well, what do, what do you then become a cover band? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's uh, it's something for on tour, isn't it? <laughs> Other comedians. Yeah, like you know, oh, it's like, great car banter. Yeah, great car banter. You know, like, you know, um, Akmal, who's a friend, Akmal Sali, who's a friend of both of ours, he's one of my favourites to do. Like, <laughs> you know, so, and that, and that one on tour, you know, it's, it's, it's always, because if everyone knows the guy, 
Yeah, but you do it on stage. People go, yeah, that does sound like him. But but uh, to yeah. I think you well, I think you you did a bit of Akmal in the car on the way down. And I have to. When you it's essential. <laughs> yeah, but, but but the other thing is because we both know him and you know him off stage. Mm. You, you're doing the conversation you have with him off stage that's, too. Yeah. And there's that recognition of oh my god, yes, that's it's and if if you're listening, Akmal, very complimentary. We weren't making fun yeah. of you in any way. It's not. I don't. I don't like to. I'm not belittling you. <laughs> it's you know. I just try. Oh my god. Oh. I've, have you? Do you want to buy some property? <laughs> you going on to, I've got some. But like, yeah, yeah. I, and it's. I I think it's. Like friends, to friends in general, who are non-comedian people, do like, do they impersonate each other? Yeah, they I should. don't know. They should. Yeah, You'd think it's so. great stuff. It's good gear. It's it's fun, it, and it is fun too. Especially because everyone, you got that group of friends and comedians. I think it's probably more evident that because um, it, it's a it's a it's, there's there's a real range of personalities and they are genuine. There's like Strong. Akmal's a character. Like he's like yeah. he's a he's a he's a he's a guy that's when you when you meet him and you're just like wow this is this guy's a character all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I suppose there's comedians, there's a tendency for people to be a little more idiosyncratic, which means it's easier to get into those impersonations. And the, like we were talking about, um, another friend of ours, Ray Badrin, mm. we were talking about on the way down and I saying how I'd noticed his, his delivery style is like a, he's like, he, he approaches it like a sprinkler to the audience. Like he'll go to the right, sort of bounce, 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 and then back sweep again. back. Yeah, this is like one of those old sprinklers you had as a kid, like... Little idiosyncrasies like that. Yeah, because that's right. As people, um, off stage is one thing, but on stage you you create a, a heightened version of yourself, which is which has kind of um, a more boiled down, condensed uh, version of your of your uh, of your idiosyncrasies, yeah. of your uh, quirks and ticks and things like that. You know, like <clears throat> you know, like Arj Barker, for instance, off stage is actually kind of quiet. You know, he's mm. a quiet guy. Um, like he's not yelling, but on stage, you know, that's when that's worth impersonating. Yes, exactly. You know, where he talks about himself in the third person, you know, he's <laughs> like, I'm thinking, oh, Arge, what are you doing, Arge? Which he doesn't do off stage. You know, he's not <laughs> walking around. You know, goes into Macca's. Oh, what's Arge gonna have today? <laughs> yeah, it'd, yeah. It'd, it'd make for a more interesting. Like, I'd, I'd go places with him definitely just to see him. Oh, what's what's Arge gonna order? Yeah, yeah. Hear the inner monologue become an outer monologue. Yeah, but but that's it. And um, uh, we we don't um tend to. Uh, most comics, most comics are kind of the, a bit of themselves on stage, aren't they? I think. Yeah, um, I think so, and especially. Especially, I think the any guy that's going to have a long any guy or girl, I should say, guy. I use in the uh, the gender neutral yeah, gang, thing. gang. Any anyone that's going to have a longer term sort of a career, um, anyone that's got any staying power. That I think that that is the key because I think it's hard to if you if you're locked into something that's not doesn't have that element of you, then uh, it's hard to keep growing in a character. Mm. Well, it is. If you've got a strong character on stage and you've got to stay in character. Um, and I've seen comics who have a, a very much defined character on stage from, from their offstage personality. Um, I'm not going to name names, but I've seen them come unstuck mm. because uh, some crowd members have got a little bit, um, bit touchy-feely you know, in a verbal sense, a little bit ag- aggressive. Um, and then, but the character on stage, it doesn't suit them to to tear someone apart. Yeah, to like, break out of yeah, that. Yeah, like one-liner comics who, you know, like, like guys like your Stephen Wrights. Yeah. You know, who are very much a defined thing. Um, very hard to break out of that monotonal uh, one-liner thing. Oh, hey, what's going on? Hey, and then someone yells out, hey, shut up, dickhead. You go, oh, no, you're the dickhead or whatever. You yeah, know, like, yeah it's exactly. Like, mm, this doesn't really work in character. It's very hard to, because um, for, for like the way, I, I, and working with you, the way you'd, you approach that like in a way a guy like you approach that okay let's stop the show let's address what's going on here mm. and let's, let's you want a bit of focus dickhead let's put some focus on you yeah. and let's uh, let's go Let, into this let's dance yeah <laughs> which is um, so I, I don't know like I don't know about you but I find that sometimes like it's as as a comic like if depending on the timing of that that, that call out but two sometimes if you if you just get that little bit of oh, this is annoying but you know what? Let's let's go down here. There's there's something exciting when that comes off. When you yes. can 
put that person away or you know get the good laugh off the back of something that's spontaneous that happened yeah that that's right spontane spontaneity as we all know is and crowd a crowd loves that mm. i mean gee you know there's we all love it even if uh even if i see if i see you up on stage and and you're dealing with something on the fly even if even if your response is something i've heard you use before i love the unplanned moment and i enjoy seeing how you pull the, the tool out of your tool belt to use it or which tool you grab um, yeah. at that point in time like i know that you will grab something i just don't know what i don't know what weapon you're going to take to this fight and that's what's exciting you know yeah just seeing how how uh, sometimes it's not it's not necessarily the what's said is the application how they apply it how a guy yeah. applies what they're doing and and how they it's like we were talking about like last night we had um had a gig up at uh, the Sun Deck, mm, up in uh, Perisher, which was um, which was really good. And but the crowd were at different times quite rowdy, mm. and um, we had one real character. In the, I think fair to say. If and if you're listening to this podcast, Blowy, which is his name. Blowy, that's how he introduced himself. Blowy. Which Blowy. I, I doubt he's listening to podcasts. Yeah, I, he didn't strike me as a podcasting uh, type. It, no. Look, and that's not not that I I think he's he wouldn't have any interest in podcasts. No, just uh, it would be an access yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I was to describe Lowe, he looked like a, a snowboarder, mm -hmm. but maybe like a late forties, long, yeah, <laughs> long hair, scraggly hair, but like a real kind of like, uh, what a happy guy. Yeah, Lowe didn't. Uh, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't seem like he he was weighed down by the bigger issues. No, did he? No, he did describe his job, which I tried to uh, get to the bottom of, as uh, he worked underground. And his job was to hold up the roof while they went forward. Now I don't know what that is. No, who they are, <laughs> but it, or where forward is. Yeah, no. I, I got the fit. Maybe it was a maybe something to do with mining. Yeah. Is the only thing I could think of. But once again, he wasn't bogged down by details when he was telling you. No, don't 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 make it. You know, make sense for me. No. In my mind, I I think he lived with wombats. <laughs> That's what I think was happening. He was one of them. He, was, he kind of would talk to them, I think. Oh, he, he's and to sum this guy up, I think the the moment that really underscored what this bloke's was about for me was when uh, was when he lifted his sleeve <laughs> to show his. Uh, he had a tattoo uh, just on his what's that? A delt on his deltoid, yeah, upper yeah. arm, and uh, it was the uh, the logo for Tui's new. It was, it was like he'd taken the label off his stubby and put it on his arm mm. forever and he, he he almost was um he almost said it as though he was revealing something that i would didn't assume anyway when he goes oh i was pretty pissed when i got it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I like, oh, really oh, yeah, that wasn't a sober decision blowy yeah it wasn't a 9 a.m thing yeah <laughs> you know what i really want yeah. he asked his friends oh if you can all chip in for I've the birthday planning this for a while yeah yeah <laughs> but he was delightful and had his brand loyalty uh he's a marketer's dream and he guy. was drinking to his new he was they didn't well. have it on tap he was ordering it out of the stubby yeah it, which which it's fun, funny it reminds me of uh everyone's friend yours and mine uh chris the bloke franklin oh. speaking of comedians who um will uh will drink vb um even if it's not available he will he will ask i've i know he's asked people at a venue to source some Oh wow! You know, <laughs> him, I'd love to love to, for him to meet a guy like Blowy because mm -hmm. I feel like they're, they're, they're the um, they're two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. You know, that two is new um, and uh, going up against uh, VB. Yeah, both as passionate. It's a bit state of origin-ish. Yeah, it, it it is. It's got that got that real. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure who you who you barrack for in that one. I don't know. I mean, if it, we're talking genuine state of origin rugby league, uh, in all fairness, Chris Franklin does support the Blues. So he does. He does. All yeah, right. So we have to just put that on the table. But um, but but yeah, but, but that, I like I do you know without a crowd, and I'm going to say something very controversial here. Without the crowd, stand up comedy wouldn't be very good. No, no, it's um, it'd sort of just feel like. You know, you see the guy outside Town Hall who's standing on his box asking us all to repent. Mm. That guy, and no one's really listening. Imagine if you put him in a comedy club. Oh, Would he kill? 
He <laughs> <laughs> certainly, uh, certainly elicited a reaction, I'd imagine. Because people go, this is a very good character he's doing. Yeah, wow. He's, he's committed. What satire? I yeah. haven't seen anything this, uh, this, you know, yeah, wow, the, uh, the doomsday preacher. It'd be fun. I think it'd be good. I think we should, maybe that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change everything. <laughs> yeah, go, go full on doomsday preacher character. Yeah, might have to grow hair. You're not a stranger to a character. You did a, a character for a show a few years ago, one of your shows. Yeah, in Sydney Festival, I, I did um, uh, a show, uh, Dennis Crocker. Uh, Dennis Crocker is a kind of, a, he's kind of a, a TV legend. He's a cross between sort of a Barry Crocker and, a, and Dennis Walter. Those sort of, those Logie, perennial Logie kind of um, stayers. Yeah. The guys who, who are always at Carols by Candlelight singing yes. When a Child is Born. Like <laughs> those guys and uh, in a suit. They're kind of like they've been around a long time. They've got a lot of stories. And that's, that's what Dennis was. I even grew the moustache for it and, and had a very fine wig on. And, uh, and it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I think Dennis needs to, to come back. Um, I'd love to see him back because he was... He was too, like um, he, there was singing. There was a bit of uh, there was once again the old time stories. Stories about Molly Meldrum. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and only Dennis, only a guy like Dennis, can get away with that because uh, his friends, you know, if they weren't his friends, might be more litigious. That's correct. Yeah, because he's one of those. He's from that era where chauvinism was built in. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, where there was a certain arrogance to it all. Um, yeah, and he did. He did. He did great tunes. Great tunes. Oh. Um, you know, I think the biggest hit from the show was um, uh, Dennis's version of um, "Walking in Memphis." Um, he did a song called "Walking in Penrith," <laughs> which was a, an ode to Penrith Panthers Leagues Club. Beautiful performing there, which we've you know we've all been there. Yeah, that's all. I did Penrith Panthers a little while ago. The world's biggest lift. Backstage there at the Evan Theatre, it's uh, I, mean, I got it, and there's a there was a um an electric like a, oh, I assume it was electric piano, but it was a piano, like but the the full on like stand up pianos, yeah, in one corner, and I could stand in the other corner and be absolutely nowhere near it, and uh, I was disappointed. Whoever usually plays sits there, and I, I figured that's where the elevator music maybe is recorded. Was uh, it an upright piano? Yeah, upright piano. Right. Is it? I think it was the Evan Theatre that I was. Uh, backstage at where I, I think there's also a grand piano up there somewhere um and oh this was, was just in the lift in the in the lift in oh, the yeah, lift because right. there's one on the backstage there and um and i do believe it's got a sign ironically sitting on the top of it that says do not put anything on this piano and the sign's on the piano and i think that is oh, that's the best that's you know <laughs> that's that, irony that's best yeah, isn't it i wonder if anyone really considered that mm. you know it's like don't like a sign that says don't read this sign yeah <laughs> like you know that sort of thing readings for losers yeah don't gotcha read. yeah if you write stuff you're a loser written down yeah i am um, so hey so we were rounding back though was just a thought i had when you were first telling me about when you got inspired to do stand-up comedy yeah um and you you said it was the 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 opener for jerry seinfeld the gate like sort of you went oh wow this is really good maybe i could give this a go mm. see for me I feel, and I, I don't know if this is a common experience, like for Jerry Seinfeld, I, I love stand-up comedy. I loved uh, Jim Owen was, um, yeah. when, I was at, when I was at school, like he, he had his show on TV. I just loved Jim Owen and I um, used to love that. But guys like that, like I knew they were stand-up comedies. But it, they, they weren't the guys that ever inspired me to try it because they, what they did seemed, it was, it was too good. It seemed too hard. Yeah, right. It was the first time I, I went along and saw some open mic comic comics and just went oh okay maybe like you know even I could be better than that yeah, yeah maybe i could give this a go like that that was the it was the 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 less professional comics i think were the ones that inspired me to give it a go like yeah right the, the really good guys attainable yes yeah right yeah because like you can watch a seinfeld or uh you know a billy Connolly, especially a billy Connolly, mm. where it, it really does seem like a magic trick like it's no yeah and th those guys have fans, and I think that's a the big difference. And uh, a lot of um, a, a lot of punters, that is, general public people, which is yeah. we call them punters, because yeah, because we're a little, little bit of industry speak for you guys. Industry talk, because we're not we're not in the general public anymore, because no. we've decided we're not. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we're commentated. Um, no, but yeah, I find the punters. Um, 
they're often surprised. They're so surprised when they see a comedian that's not famous and they go, oh my God, wow, it was so funny. Oh, there's some wind. I don't yeah, know if you hear God. that in the background. There's uh, some Kosciuszko, Kosciuszko wind going on up there. Um, yes, and they're like, oh my God, wow, so good. And it's like, yeah. And I said to people, I said, oh, there are so many amazing comedians you've never heard of. Yeah. And, and they probably make you laugh more than ones you have heard of. And it's, and it's partly because um, they'll surprise you. you yeah. No expectation, as we were talking about before, no expectation. But also because um, stand up comedy uh, fame isn't always because of the, the, the art in the room, it's because of other marketable qualities you know there's a lot mm. of different things going on and uh and for me it was it was always the guys who weren't the famous people that i went holy crap what the hell is, this guy's amazing yeah and like i remember i was a big fan of uh of uh, working dogs uh the late show and um i used to watch that all the time oh, loved it. champagne comedy champagne man. comedy <laughs> loved it and i actually uh, you know post the show or when the show was on went to Paddington RSL and watched uh, a lineup which was Tony Martin Mick Malloy um, oh, a couple of others I think Jeff Stiltson from the US who's oh, wow. brilliant you know yep. and, um, and it was hosted by Darren Casey who is kind of a comics favourite um, you don't see him around enough anymore not do you? enough I mean Casey's very selective but he's brilliant Case um, mm. uh, never I mean, quite got you know he's quite quite well known in Melbourne. He got a lot of work down there on radio, um, but uh, as a national entity, didn't really um, get the fame that he probably should have. I think. Yeah, get the name recognition. The name recognition because he's brilliant. Um, but he was a guy I saw in this lineup who I'd never seen before, and I was blown away. I went, he's the funniest of them all. Oh, this mate, guy's amazing. I remember seeing him at the Mike in Hand, which um, uh, is a for people out there is a uh, is a great and it's, a, it's somewhat of a sydney institution in terms of comedy rooms so it's a thursday night room at the uh, the friend in hand pub in glebe and uh it it's a real good night in that there's always a there's a good headliner uh, a professional mc and then you get a real mix like you get guys who are um uh you know established acts going down just trying 10 or doing doing a 10 to you know work out or whatever they're just down there they might have a bit of new stuff they're trying but then too it's the same it's also they they might have one brand new act on so you get to see the, the yeah the whole range and it's always a great night and i remember um i'd sort of I, I knew the roughly knew the name darren casey i'd never seen him perform and i saw him headline down there one night and um just tore the roof off the place. Mm. Just absolutely tore the roof off. The place. And I was like, "This is this is fantastic." Where's this like same thing? Like, where, where's this guy been in terms of why why isn't this guy more yeah. famous? You know what I mean? Because yeah. you see, and that is a place where you see like very very established acts, yeah. you know, go down and do do some time and that. But I I don't think I've seen, or personally, I don't think I've seen a better reaction down there than I did mm. with him that night. Like it was just comedians always. I said we always go. Why isn't that guy? Why isn't he huge? Mm. And and it always just comes down to something other than the talent that it is that to be a stand-up comedian. Like it comes down to some other marketable quality. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, and, I, and 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 people uh, in the audience, I don't think they realise that. You know, they no. go, oh, you know, is, is there anyone famous on? You know, you know what? Don't worry about that. There's, there's always that. something to be said too. Like I, I think a lot of people now, like you know, they see the they. they they talk about they know like oh yeah I'm a big fan of stand up. What they're a fan of is watching stand up DVDs or specials or whatever on TV, yeah. um, which is great. Yeah. But I I'm still a big believer that and um, that it's something that happens in the room. Mm. You know what I mean? There's something to be said. Like when we were talking before about the uh, the the spontaneity that we enjoy. Like when when something's going on in the crowd and you can work with it and you know you build it. There, there is that feeling too there. And if that works. Um, the crowd get way into it too because it, it is that feeling that this is something that's happening right now, an experience we're having now. Mm. That's not a, you know, it's not a. This is there's no control over it. This is being taped for anything. This is being no. set up for later. It's it's as much as you like. You can have your favourite comic. You know, I, I love Bill Burr. Um, you know, I, I I watch all his specials, but as much as you sit and laugh at his specials at home like you, you might get one or two really belly laughs but you, you think oh that was really funny but you how much are you really laughing out loud at the tv mm. as opposed to if you went along to a bill burr show you 
you'll leave with sore sides because there's an energy in the room. That's there's right. A the electricity, which you can't get from a DVD, mm. and um, or even a, or even a download. Like no. you know, it's not it's not the DVD format's fault. It's not just the no. I mean, it's not like it would have been better on VHS. No, either. No. <laughs> Or, oh, or Betamax was really the format for that, That's where the energy stand was. Up. Yeah. <laughs> they should have stuck with that. Actually, video discs, the ones that are about... <laughs> the about laser discs. The large laser discs, those massive ones that they used for karaoke. That, yeah, that look like old uh, records, vinyls. They were, well, they, they were bigger, though, weren't they? They were huge. <laughs> they were massive. <laughs> and somewhere, someone has a stockpile of those laser discs for karaoke and not sure what to do with them. It's funny, around the same time, like it seemed to me those laser discs were out and they were, the, they were massive. But around the same time, someone was pushing the agenda of, you remember the mini discs? Oh yeah, I used those when I was on radio too. Yeah. I was going to say, that, yeah. that would have been around that time. Mm. So at the same time, we had the, the massive version and yeah. the tiny version competing and we sort of settled on the middle ground of the DVD slash Blu-ray size of discs. Yeah, and the sort of yeah, CD size thing. Mm. Yeah, it's a wonder that <laughs> the, the, the laser disc competing with the mini disc is kind of like talking to a family about a car. They're going to go, you could get a, you know, a, a B double, you <laughs> yeah. know, truck to, to for the family, or a, or a hatchback. Um, what do you reckon? The B double will hold more. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Look, it's going to be harder to park. Yeah. Um, but yeah. how big's your carport? But it's a superior engine. Yes. Yeah, but. Uh, no, that was never going to work. I'm not sure who was making them. No. I'm actually going to release my next uh, DVD on Laserdisc just because oh. I think that, um, you know, the vinyl format's coming back for music. People are getting excited about it. But I think that will be the same for Laserdisc. Yeah, I'm, where is the nostalgia for yeah. mid-90s? Mid-90s technology. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna release it. No, de- no USBs. That's it. You should. You should say. Look, if uh, look, you can get the audio on mini disc, or you can get the uh, the full video on laser disc. Yeah. So just back up the car, and we'll, we'll get <laughs> the laser disc in there for you. <laughs> There's some guy who owns the last place that produces laser discs. Listening yeah. to this is like, oh my god. That's it, guys. That's it. Yes. Please Let's bring it back. Come on. Oh man, that's a that was a and they were short-lived technologies, really, weren't they? They Very didn't last short. ten years. Yeah, like that, that is it. When you compare it to something like vinyl, which has never actually gone away, no, it certainly went right down to bare minimum, but never went away. Um, I'd say that yeah, laser disc is an embarrassing, embarrassing <laughs> failure. Yeah, for technology. I, I guarantee there's there's still people out there though. That much as there is guys that'll still argue. Look, uh, VHS, VHS. Yeah, look, Betamax was a better um, yeah, was a yeah. better technology. You know, it was better. I don't know. You know, it's it all marketing. It was political and it was marketing. You know, it's just, just that's how it panned out. There, there, I reckon there would be guys out there who still argue the virtues of a laser disc. Yeah. Over a uh, and they're the guys that own the uh, Criterion collection of Star Wars and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Voyager. If you um and uh, since I, I could practice my radio, old radio skills there. So, so if you've uh, if you've got a laser disc uh, and you use one, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> give us a call now. Call now. Oh, g'day guys. I uh, I got a laser disc and uh, it's uh, it's really good. Yeah. What do you watch on your laser disc? What oh, you? Eddie Murphy Raw. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, Great jokes about homosexuals on that one. <laughs> yeah, oh man, that's a special that really, like, as much as I loved that, that and Delirious. But uh, you look back now and, geez, times have changed, haven't they? Yeah, you go, hey, Eddie, you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> You're really mean about gay people, mate. But yeah. at, at the time, it was, uh, and he wasn't, he didn't just say gay people either. He used no, the uh, F word. And it was, uh, mm. it's, it's, as much as, yeah. You wouldn't if if you did that now, like if you did that that special now, um, there's no way you'd ever play Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> no, <laughs> really, no flubber. <laughs> They'd be just. Oh no, that was um, that was Robin Williams. Sorry. But, but yeah. yeah, you you wouldn't be Donkey and Shrek if you no. You don't all that dirty, nasty talk. It's, no. it's there's no way, and it's kind of a shame. Hey, Shrek, <laughs> it's just it's, it's over there. <laughs> no, please, Eddie, don't say that word. You can't do that, donkey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's kind of a shame that we live in that reactionary sort of society now that d- d- wouldn't let people like grow up like that. Because obviously, you know, he recorded that what, was he twenty one, nineteen, twenty one, around yeah. that early yeah, twenties yeah, age. Yeah, he was like a, yeah, he was like a twenty year old, which is amazing. 
yeah. because they've got nothing to say, right? Like as comics, you know, they're struggling to find a voice. Mm. And, you know, it's not until they sort of hit, you know, the mid-20s and things start to really click. Which isn't, and that's not... Um that's not a disparaging remark about you know younger comics it's out there. Just young people. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> it's a it's, disparaging remark about young people. It's a everyone. It's no. just a case of sometimes you just need like to to talk about uh, to have stuff to talk about. You sort of need to have experiences. Yeah. And at nineteen, you haven't had as many experiences as the battle scars aren't there, and battle scars make you interesting and yeah, funny. Yeah, exactly. like I like I know I know as soon as. As soon as I started comedy, I thought I was hilarious, but I, I didn't have that much to say. Mm. So you don't really have a point of view, or a no. I'm better now. It's I interesting. Li- it's interesting too that when you do see, like, because there are some very good young comics out there. When you when you see them and you just go, "Geez, when you're yeah, when you're forty and you're twenty years in, that's right. Yeah. You're going to be phenomenal. Yeah, when the when you see them, you know, at sort of twenty. And the craft is really good. Yeah. And the structure and the writing's really good. You go, shit, I'm scared of you. Yeah. Go, when, when you, yeah, when, when things have happened in your life, you're going to just be dangerous. Yeah. It's, yeah. And that's, that's a, one of those things I always, because I always think, you know, I should have started earlier. Like I started, I was, I think I was 27, 28 when I started. And I, I often think, oh, why don't you, oh, it would have been great if I started earlier. Like I felt like I started late. And then, uh, then I think it, when I really think about it, it's, I would have been, oh, I would have been atrocious. I would have been so bad because simply because I just would have had nothing to say. No, and and an attitude as a young guy, I was a, I was a bit cocky. Yeah, you like I, now I'm comfortable and confident with, with who I am. But as, as a 25 year old, I think roughly when I started or whatever it was, I was, um, I was a little cocky. For no good reason. Yeah, no. <laughs> because that's all you've got is yeah. confidence. Yeah, it's all false. It's not confidence in anything. No. It's, not, it's not based on anything. It's like, oh, women like confident guys. So I'm going to be confident. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of like um, like the women on The Bachelor. <laughs> you know, it's all fake. Fake confidence. When yeah. really I just, was, I just went back to my room and cried. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't get a rose. That's all. Uh, did say, uh, uh, I, I can't get into The Bachelor. I don't. Um, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I don't get it. Um, you know, it's a, and it's that thing now. Like, I try to be less... It's very easy, especially as a, as a comic, to be to get quite... Like, you can get a little bitter about those sort of things. Like, why are people into this and not into my mate who's, you know, a genius? You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. get that... You get those guys where you, you kind of... You act, you know, and you go... Look back to the guys that should be more... Like, you, you feel should be more famous in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And you realise that, that so many of the general public are watching The Bachelor... Yeah, and it's it get it's very easy to get bitter about that. But at a certain point, I just have to go. Well, look, you know, it's not for me. No, like you know, it's all right that other people are into it. It's not for me. No, I'm a, I'm working in a parallel um, industry. Yeah, in a, in a sense, and and you know, I mean, it is it is miffing, and I, and I won't pretend it's not. I'm not. I don't carry bitterness. It's just not part of my toolkit anymore mm. but um you do get miffed when you go oh, god how come someone who was on the bachelor or whatever it was you know and they're on they're hosting a breakfast radio show in a capital city and guys with um with comedy chops and brains and and something to, to say, say there's something to say aren't and you go oh god and you go well you know what that's because there are no eyeballs on him or yeah. her or there's no there's no you know so they've got to they've got to work harder to um to float to the top and yeah. uh, let people see them, but um, um, nothing against um, you know anyone who's on radio. If you're offered that job, geez, take it. Yeah, I was going to say it's a t- and look, it's a tough industry, and uh, you can't really you can't really uh, knock the individual for taking the opportunity that's offered. Really, I would. Yeah, I'd take it definitely. Yeah, I would. I'd sell out. Oh, if only I had the opportunity. So, if anyone's wanting to, yeah. Have we got any buyers out there? Sellouts, yeah. I'm for sale. <laughs> I think too. So you do a bit of radio work still. You do quite a bit of uh, voiceover. Voiceover stuff. work, yeah. So I don't work in radio anymore, um, but I do do voiceover, which means I'll walk into a radio station and and do a commercial or something like that, um, or I do TV commercials and that sort of thing. I use this um, I use this weapon for for many purposes, um, <laughs> which I really love. I love that. A voiceover is a fun, fun thing. So, you know, one day I could be, you know, 
like you know a character in a an animation series which is great because it's kind of like acting well it is acting it's acting but you can do it in tracksuit pants you certainly can and don't have you don't have to shave or or put on makeup um and uh or you can uh you know n- you know narrate a documentary or you could uh which is great or just do a do a commercial what's the what's the one that i okay double barrel question what's the one that people would probably have heard your voice most likely and probably not realize it's you Mm -hmm. Uh, what's the one of that and then what's the one that you're most proud of or the one you enjoyed doing most yeah well the one that i think um what people would hear me the most on these at the moment would be as the male um voice on abc2 so not ABC for kids, but uh, ABC Two, which is after hours when things get a little saucy. But uh, <laughs> like, you know, so basically, yeah, I'm the you know, t- you, know, um, you know, coming up. It's a, it's the documentary about a, a man who's not a man. You know, there, there was things like you know this, the Caitlyn Jenner story. Pe- yeah, but you know, guys who have sex with their cars. You know, it's a thing tonight on abc2 you know like that so that's which is it's an interesting when you go all day from abc for kids to uh to that sort of stuff it's an interesting format shift isn't it it? (laughs) yeah one's peppa pig oh peppa pig and then it's all of a sudden you know uh, that's that's an interesting format shift in that my um i've spent uh, with my kids i remember um at one stage um one of my one of my sons was uh we having a little stay in hospital at one stage and um and so because he's in hospital he's a bit out of sorts and he's got the tv on in the room and he was watching abc2 the kids shows and then that watermark hits and all of a sudden it's something completely you gotta you gotta watch those get out everyone get out he's like like, dad it's a grown-up show yeah and it really is too i know that but they i think they try and buffer it with you know spicks and specks or something yeah something (laughs) try and ease in yeah before they get into the um you know uh child sex sex trade um, from Johannesburg or some sort of yeah. documentary that everyone's like whoa <laughs> we're not this is not in the night garden what no. is going on here <laughs> in the night garden that is a strange show isn't it yeah look for those who don't have kids they're gonna go what but yeah I, I got two kids who are past that stage yeah, mine now, too now but I watched uh, a lot of that stuff and how would you describe in the night garden to a to, to people out there who are listening who have well they been know lucky about enough. the Teletubbies so yep. it's, it's got it's in the Teletubbies realm of weirdness mm-hmm. but I think it takes the next step it's kind of like a it's like a a Beatles song from um, Yellow Submarine in a way yeah it's a bit it's really trippy yep what's going on here a lot of weird squeaky noises yeah there's weird characters like called Eagle Piggle that basically um uh and some of the characters, the only thing you ever hear them say is their own name. Yeah. Which is... It's weird. Weird. Yeah. And the thing that always threw me to is the the train. Is that the Pinky Ponk? Or is the that Ninky Nonk. The Ninky Nonk, right. Yeah. Which, for, as if you're going to... Like, weird choice of name for a train, of yeah. all things. Like, there's... The Ninky Nonk and the Pinky... Pinky Ponk was like a hot air balloon. Yes. Like a Zeppelin. A Zeppelin. Yep. Yeah. Um that was weird that bounced into things and the ninky was the train yeah. which yeah i don't know there's because there's, there is some racial history to railways construction of railways you know what i mean it wasn't always done voluntarily no right <laughs> by paid workers so dude, yeah i, I find that do you think that name has some sort of connotation do i don't know it's, it sounds close enough to uh having connotation i don't think yeah. it does i don't think it's um but I would have preferred to see the Ninky Nonk as the uh, as the the Zeppelin, to be honest. Right, I never thought about it like that. Mm. Yeah, I, my my brother, uh, who, who's not in comedy at all, he's um, he's uh, in IT. He's got some great ideas, and he's quite a funny man in his own right, actually. And he um, he was always concerned about um, the character Upsy Daisy, who's the the only female character there, it seems. I think. Yeah. Um, and she's um, she's got a bed that drives around the forest and yeah. I'm like well hang on a second yeah. like you know women are, are good for you know more than that more than just that you know she shouldn't just be upsy daisy upsy daisy and it's like and then she jumps on the bed and off it goes and sees her friends eagle piggle and macapaca and I'm like well they're doing functional jobs you know mm. macapaca's making some um piles of rocks 
Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what Eagle Peagle does, actually. I, I think of him, Macca Packer, as he's, he's some, somewhat like a druid, an ancient druid. Yeah, like he's building a Stonehenge. Yeah. <laughs> he's an OCD druid mm. who looks like rocks himself. Yeah, but then poor old Upsy Daisy and her skirt blows up and things. It's all yeah. like hello. Upsy Daisy. Yeah, I'm like, this is not cool. No, it's... It's, a, it's fairly it's a, it's a fairly casual way uh, um, to to deal with uh, you know your skirt blowing up too. Yeah, it's upsy daisy. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd never thought of that either. So, look, I there's a lot of problems within the night garden, isn't there? There are. Look, I mean, I'm 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 not uh, I'm I'm not a I'm not a smoker, as they say. But if you were, and I'm not talking about cigarettes either. Mm. If you were, maybe watch that show. You yeah, might, you might find it's right up your alley. There might be, there might be a layer you and I are missing yeah. as, uh, as, as sober men that uh, <laughs> that others might be able to find. Yeah, there'd be some, and I reckon any anyone who's a conspiracy theorist should watch it because they'll find layers. Yeah, they'll there'll be a grand. It's a metaphor, man. Yeah, there'll be a it's grand a plan within it that they they're aware of. We're all in the night garden. <laughs> You know what it is, man. The night garden. It's it's uh, it's actually um, it's uh, it's a metaphor for for capitalism. Yeah, and Macca Pack is the working class, man. They just yeah. build piling rocks for no good reason. Yeah, and uh, you know, and women are the oppressed. Mm. And uh, yeah, just and used to keep. Yeah, that's why they send her to visit the middle class Macca Packer. You know, just keep him happy. And really, it's just like the one percent are up in the ninky nock. Yeah, just looking down. <laughs> Just in that, down on us, man. Oh man, <laughs> I was going from uh, thinking, "Gee, I hope I never watch that again." To maybe I'll have another look. Have a little look. Yeah, yeah I might go and dub over it some actual dialogue. Yeah. That's what it needs. Have you seen there's um there's memes um on uh, I forget what it is like the um where they use children's cartoons to um to basically as um as communist propaganda to overthrow the violent revolution. <laughs> It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, I, I wish I had an example to give you. I, now I'm starting to think I shouldn't have raised it, given that... Uh, nothing to, offer. Yeah, nothing I, to I, add. Offer, I don't know. And I'm just imagining it now. Mm. It's all very abstract. Yeah. I'm not sure. Look it up. It's on Facebook if you're, uh, if yeah, you're really interested. Yeah, on Facebook. You're really interested. So um, so that's the... That's, that's, so you, what's your, fa- what's your favourite thing to do? So we, we covered the... With the voiceovers, we covered the one... The people might be most familiar with. That's right, my favourite. What's your favourite? What's the one that you've really, or the, even the one you're most proud of, if if there's one like that, or yeah, I, I actually really fun. like doing animation. I, I like oh, really? being, I like embodying a character. I'm gonna be honest, I can yeah. see that because you do, you do, um, you're quite good with the the voices and the that sort of the, yeah. That the, sort see, of the voices is part of it, and you'll notice though. On say Disney Pixar films, which yep. I absolutely love. Like I, I don't even need the kids to enjoy them. Like, no, like they're so well written. The characters are good, and and that's the thing. I mean, you've got to kind of be a name mostly to, to be on those these days. To yeah, put something on the poster. But uh, so my my dreams of being in one, you know, may be far off. But uh, but but being a a character and 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 being part of a story is a lot of fun. It's really good, and I, I did a series recently, which was like a, 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 um, oh, a couple of years ago. It was a co-production of um, of a Australian production company and uh, and uh, and Telegale in in Ireland, and uh, between the two of them, there was this show called Teenage Fairy Tale Dropouts, which was uh, some of the best fun I have ever had working. Who did you play in that? Um, I played a, a little giant. A little giant. A little giant. Yeah, that's fantastic. Named Jeremiah, and he was a, he was a, he was a he was the son of the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk, but he he hadn't he wasn't giant size, <laughs> so he was a small giant. He was he was normal sized, human sized, but he was of giant heritage. So was, that's so he was small, which was great. And he had um, a couple of friends. Like one was the the daughter of the tooth fairy, and one was like the nephew of. Uh, um, uh, Merlin the magician, so they'd hung out. So they, they were basically teenage fairy tale dropouts. They were like rejects oh, from that world. I'm gonna have to dig that up. Where can where can that be found? I don't know. So it's, it'd be around. It was on. They showed it on the ABC, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And the, the good for the, for the thing about that is I got to be Jeremiah, who was this 
little giant who was, uh, he was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is great. Oh, I'm so small. And, um, <laughs> and he was great. You know, and, and then I get to be all these other characters, like, which is the beauty of it. And it was like, for me, the closest thing to being in The Simpsons it was yeah. the closest thing to being Hank Azaria I could find. Oh. So, so I got to be, you know, like the three little pigs and stuff like, or one of the three little pigs who, who I modeled on Rodney Dangerfield, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like the, the, this guy's trying to make, um, make Jeremiah, the little giant, tough. And uh, go, we're going to go see the three little pigs. And, uh, and um, um, what was his name? It was LP was his name. So his little pig was his thing. And, and he was in, he was in a, like a leather jacket. And they go up to see him. He goes, okay, what are we going to do here? <laughs> he goes, you got to learn to blow. You got to learn to blow. Okay. And he's like, whoa. And he goes, what, you want me to blow the house down? That was the line. He goes, you, you want me to blow the house down? He goes, hey, I don't want you to paint it. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was the best. And my kids, my kids loved it. And that was great because my kids are going, Dad, you're so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that is really something that uh, that must be amazing is to, to be able to do stuff that your kids can enjoy. Yeah, because I don't hard. know about you, because my kids are constantly asking me, "Oh, can we come to comedy? Can we?" And I'm like, "You, no, nah, nah. oh no, no, not not at your ages, like five and seven, way too young." Yeah, but well, my kids did get to see me um, perform, and it's because. Uh, and, and once upon a time, working on cruise ships yeah. was a massive, uh, like, uh, I guess my career's over now. But something's, something's changed in that world. And um, there's a high demand for, for working club, club comedians on, you know, like carnival cruise lines. Cause and yeah, there's a lot of very good comics doing it. Like really, like we're talking, yeah, A-graders. Yeah. Um, a lot of great guys because they run a, like a comedy club on board which is say what you want do what you want have a great time and it's, it's the best but they also have a couple of you know pg shows that you got to do because they're the kids so i uh took my family with me oh wow they got and the kids got to come to my pg show because you know it's stuff that's got to be okay for and uh yeah that was so chuffed and what i was they, think? Chuffed. They, were, they were they think you're funny or they would do you think they were um i don't think they got it but um but they were just excited to see how much, like, oh, dad's the one up there. Dad's up there and everyone's laughing at what he says. Yeah. Like, my daughter's eight and she kind of gets some of the gags and she starts repeating them. Doesn't really understand them really, but, um, but, but, but that's nice, you know. I mean, imagine that. Imagine seeing your, your parent winning in front of uh, 300 people or yeah, something. Yeah, that must be awesome. Yeah, so that was cute and I was really excited because... Look, you know, as a working comic, you know when you when you do well, you know when you're good at it. But you come home and people go, "How was the show?" And you go, "It was good." That's yeah, that's yeah, that's it. It's it. so that's um, it's there's not a lot to hold on to with it. Like it, it's no. great in the moment, and then it's done. It's hard to sort of describe, it, but it was good. And but they mm. got to see what that means. Yeah, which is nice. Oh, nice. I remember um, I did a I did a thing for for my kids' school. They did one of those um, comedy for a cause nights, yeah, yeah, and uh, and I was on the bill for that. And so they sent home in the newsletter. They sent home like a flyer for it, and my picture was there in uh, the newsletter. And my son lost his mind. <laughs> Him and his mates are like, "You are famous. You're in the <laughs> newsletter." I was like, "Oh wow, this is all the stuff you do." And then I had um had another time where I thought I was going to have a great moment. I was in the supermarket near the house, and uh, I was with my oldest son. And uh, just in the fruit section, and uh, guy working there just goes, looks at me, and goes, "Oh my god, it's you!" I went, "Oh, yeah, yeah." He goes, "Oh, you're a comedian." I was like, "Oh yeah, I am actually." He goes, "Oh, my wife and I, we saw you at the comedy store like about a month ago." He goes, "Oh, we love you. You, 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 and the other, this other, the other bloke at the end. You were our favourites. We were actually just talking about you the other night." I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's really nice." And I'm, this is happening in front of my son, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "This is great." He goes, "Do you mind if I get a photo and show my wife?" I was like, "Not at all." We get a photo, do a little selfie with him in the fridge. He's like, "Thanks so much, mate." And shake hands and and off we go. And I th- I think this is great. This is all happening in front of my son. And I just turned to him and I said, "Oh, what do you what do you think of that, mate?" And the guy that wanted a photo with daddy, he goes, "What guy?" He'd just been playing with the trolley the whole time, missed the whole interaction. <laughs> I was like, what? the coolest thing that could possibly happen in front of you yeah, yeah. <laughs> to make me look like That's, look like cool in front of you. It doesn't happen that, that much, especially like if you're not at the show, if you're not a, a face that people know on telly, if you're not um, 
famous so people are going to recognise you anyway, you know, um, it doesn't really happen outside of the gigs generally no. because out of context people go, eh, I don't... Oh, people don't remember... Familiar. I'm not sure why. Yeah, people don't remember you. They, they certainly don't remember comedians' names. Like even no. people will say, oh, my favourite comedian, he's that, uh, you know, that guy that does the... That, that ball guy and you go, Carl Barron. Yeah, yeah that's him. <laughs> yeah, he's got the, all the observations. Yeah, he's great, <laughs> yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah. No, but yeah, that, that's it. And um, as I say to people all the time, I said, don't worry if you haven't heard of them. See them, you'll love it. It's yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, well, that might be a nice note to wrap this up on, a uh, little bit of encouragement to go out and go out and see some live comedy because like, like we said, there's, there's so many good acts out there that you've never heard of. Um, but uh, I think we're also maybe going to have to give this room up soon. Okay, uh, some people just walked in. Mm. I don't know, they were old into our studio. They walked in, they saw two people with microphones doing what's clearly a high-end podcast and mm. they didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, they, just, they, didn't, they didn't turn around and go, oh, we better leave. They went, we'll just mill around yeah. like pains in the ass. Wouldn't happen at uh, a Triple M or Nova. No. You never hear Fitzy and Whipper in the morning and just some, some old bloke walks in. And says, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I know how Rodney Dangerfield feels now. Can't get no respect. No respect. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Simon Kenny, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Mate, thank you very much. And uh, let's have a good gig tonight up here uh, on the mountain. Sounds good. See ya. Yeah.